0: Okay, so uh, tonight is really a uh, uh, part two of uh, the trip to New York, our Shabbos, Sheva Brachos, uh, which, uh, which came up. Um, we talked about on Tuesday, maybe doing about uh, something related to snow, but I think we'll hold off on that uh, for now. And we're just going to do the, uh, the other Shiloh which I told you about, which was uh, the issue of candle lighting. Where exactly is the appropriate place to do candle lighting? The specific scenario was that uh, uh, my sister arranged housing uh, for us in various different places. So we were all, everybody was out of, uh, my sister, everybody was out of their home. So they were sleeping somewhere, not their home. And then we ate in a simcha hall. Uh, there's a, a, a very nice family that they designated their basement, an empty basement, as a simchol hall for people who have uh, various occasions, Shabbos, Sheva or whatever it is, for people to be able to use their, uh, their basement for a uh, for, uh, large space for, uh, for meals. So we were sleeping in one place, we were eating in another place, and the question in those situations always is, where should we light candles? That's always what, uh, what everybody's busy with. If, if we're not busy preparing food because it was catered. So then the only other question which, uh, which we wonder about is where are we going to light Shabbos candles? So do we light it at the house? Do we light it at the catering, uh, at the, uh, the Simcha Hall? And if we light it at the Simcha Hall, does that mean everybody has to sit there, light there at candle lighting, and then they sit around for an hour until the men show up after davening? So it makes for, uh, becomes very labidic when, uh, when these Shilas uh, arise. So what uh, we will try and do is we will try and go, go through some of the basic ideas and the basic sources and we'll see what the, the posts can say and then uh, and then it will all be good. Okay, so let's pull this up. Let me get you guys moved over here so I can see you and it. Once. Oh, Okay, let me begin from the top. Okay, so here is our primary source. Can Can you close the navigation thing on the left, or are you able to? Or um, I can do anything. So, well, yeah. There you go. It's better on my screen. Thanks. I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize it was open. Okay. So we start over here at the uh, the top. We start with the Gemara in Shabbos. So, and the the first part is going to be just sort of pinpointing what exactly the uh, the obligation is. So, the Gemara in Shabbos says, "The Amr of Bar Zavda, the Amr la Amr of Nachan Amrav. So, very straightforward sentence. Hadlakas near Shabbos So uh, lighting candles on Shabbos is something which is an obligation. I don't think there's any great chiddish as far as that is concerned, that there's an obligation to go ahead and light Shabbos candles. Where it begins to get interesting is the question, why? Why do we light the Shabbos candles? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the the purpose? Uh, What is the goal? So here, as we're going to see, there is a pretty major machlokas, So we'll see different approaches, uh, both in the Rishonim, as well as in the Poskim. And then from there, we will discuss some of the Natgaminas, some of the practical differences, whether or not you give this reason or that reason. And then from that, we will eventually springboard over to our question. So we're going to begin with Tosos, usually begin with Rashi, but for some reason tonight, we're going to begin with Tosos. So on this uh, Gemara, which says, the Gemara in Shabbos uh, which says that Hadlakas near Shabbos is Chova, is an obligation. So, Toso says, perish b'makum suda. So it says that uh, the lighting of the candles, so Toso's number one, goes ahead and tells us where the lighting should occur. So the lighting of the candles should occur, b'makum suda, in the place where you are eating. Many people are makmid uh, to light it specifically on the table where they're eating. It's not even on a table or a stand off to the side, but they actually light it on the table where they're eating. Makes for all sorts of, uh, of difficulties if you're going to then try and change the tablecloth because you're not allowed to move the candles, the candlesticks, anything of that sort. One day when we discuss a muksa shayla, so maybe we'll get around to that. But here it also says you're going to light it b'makum suda. Why De It's an obligation to go ahead and eat the suda on Shabbos in the place where the candles are burning. Why Tosos says mishum oneg. So Tosos, the key term as far as uh, as far as Tosos is concerned, is that it's part of oneg Shabbos, uh, eating chazal uh, assume, and this appears a couple places in Shas that. People will enjoy their food. Food is not only a taste bud experience, it's also a visual experience. And if a person is sitting in the dark, they're not going to enjoy their food to the same degree that they will enjoy it if they could see it. You want to see whether that steak is well done or whether it's rare or medium rare, you want to whether you're going to see the red or not. Uh, so being that food is a visual experience. So if one is going to enjoy Shabbos and enjoy the food on Shabbos, experience onig Shabbos, so there has to be light on the table where you are eating. So that is, according to Tosos, that's the reason why we light like Shabbos candles. It is an expression or a fulfillment of Oneg Shabbos. And this idea, as we will see now, actually makes its way into Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says... This is in uh, or Chaim, in the Reish Samech Gimel, Sifid Beis. Echad hanashim v'echad hanashim Doesn't make a difference whether we are discussing men or women. Chayav So you need to have in your house, and in this regard, house really means in your room, but everybody has to have in their room uh, a light, which, is, uh, which was kindled, which was, which was lit for Shabbos. Afilu e'no and this we uh, also, this comes from the Gemara and Shabbos. Let's say a person is really, really destitute and can't even afford to buy food for Shabbos. That's a filo lo yochal. So, what are you going to do? So, if you can't afford food, certainly you can't afford oil for, uh, for the light or a candle for, a, for, uh, for Shabbos lights. So, says Shohanar, based on the Gemara, Shoel al hapsachim, so for many mitzvahs, if you can't afford it, so you're exempt. You don't have to do it if you can't afford it. If you can't get yourself a, a lulav and an Esso, you don't have the, the means to be able to afford that. So you don't have to get it. And if a person can't afford, I don't know, tzitzis or talis or tfilin, also if a person can't afford it, so they can't afford it. What are, they, what are they supposed to do? Some of those things you could borrow, but if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But here there's a special chodesh by Nair Shabbos that even if you can't afford it, you're obligated to go ahead and borrow money. That's the shol al-apsachim, or ask for tzedakah, but it's not even borrowing money necessarily. You're going to ask for tzedakah. And with that money that you obtain, v'lokech shemen, you're going to purchase, some. with some of that money, you're going to uh, purchase oil, umal and thereby light your lamp, or what we would say is candle. Why is it necessary to go ahead and, even ask for tzedakah, get yourself a green card, and start collecting tzedakah for this purpose. So Tosos uses that same, uh, sorry, Shulchan uses that same phrase that Tosos used, and that is that it's part of your obligation of Onig Shabbos, it's part of your obligation to enjoy Shabbos, and therefore, that's where the, uh, this obligation stems from. And it's so far-reaching that even if you have to take tzedakah in order to be able to do this mitzvah, you're obligated to do so. What is psachim in this context? Uh, a pasach is a doorway. Okay, now, says Lavush. Now, Levosh is a commentary uh, on Shulchan Aruch as well, not directly on Shulchan Aruch. But he follows the same simanim and basically the same sephim. So he explains via a Zahir lasos near Shabbos. So a person should make an effort to obtain a nice uh, candle for Shabbos, something which is going to burn nicely. You have to take yourself back a few hundred years where you couldn't buy oil, which was Readily made and, uh, uh, and burns easily and nicely and produces a nice clean uh, flame. So back when it was difficult to get yourself good oil, so that's why the lavush says and the says that you should make sure that you get yourself a good quality oil at least for Shabbos. Shazel oneg So he uses the same phrase that the, having uh, candles lit in the house on Shabbos is part of your oneg Shabbos when your house is filled with light. So being able to see where you're going is part of Onik Shabbos. And then he says, and this is, also, this is going to be really part, perhaps part of the third explanation. He says, And this is what we call Shalom Bias. Shalom Bias is in the sense that you'll be able to see where you're going and what you're doing. And that is going to add, so Onik Shabbos in Shalom Bias the Levush is sorting use, is using as synonymous terms, so these two things are similar ideas. But he initially uses this phrase of Oneg Shabbos, that having Shabbos candles is a fulfillment of Oneg Shabbos, and that's where the uh, the obligation is going to stem from. That's what you're trying to accomplish. Okay, so that is shot number one. That's explanation number one. Shabbos candles is to fulfill Oneg Shabbos. Rashi, however, on that very same Gemara. He gives a different explanation than Tosos. And Rashi says, it's a chova. He says, Kavad Shabbosy. That this is something which gives honor to Shabbos. Honor, as we're going to see, is different than Oneg. One is honor and one is enjoyment. It's covered Shabbos. Why is it, why, how does having candles lit or a lamp lit, how does that give honor to Shabbos? So Rashi explains, She'en Suda Hashuva. Because if you want to demonstrate importance and uh, 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 respect to a meal, so you're going to go ahead and you're going to make sure that this b'makom or, it's in a place of light. And, and Rashi says it's going to be not just like even a single like birthday candle, which is burning on the table, but it's going to be b'makom or, which is similar to daytime. So Rashi seems to be describing a room which is filled with light, the same way that we have lamps on, or we have uh, feeling, uh, 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 ceiling uh, uh, cans, which provide illumination for the entire room. So Rashi says, Kavod Shabbos is that if you want back in the time of Chazal, if you wanted to demonstrate that this meal is not just, uh, you know, something. It's not just a Snickers bar which you're grabbing as a snack or some chips or something like that. But it's something which is a really uh, an honored meal where you would have honored guests and whatnot. So the way one of the ways by which that would be demonstrated is the lighting of candles. So the lighting of candles at the Sudan Shabbos means that this is not simply a Wednesday night dinner or a Thursday night dinner. This is a hush of a meal. This is an honored uh, meal. And therefore, there are going to be candles which are, which are lit. Okay? So that is, excuse me, explanation number two. So, so far we have two explanations. One is owning Shabbos. It enhances the enjoyment of Shabbos. Number two is covered Shabbos that it gives honor to Shabbos. Now, number three, which is sort of what the Lavush told us, but now we'll see it a little bit clearer. So now there's another Gemara. It's an earlier Gemara, but also in Shabbos. Amar Rava says, shitali. It's obvious to me. So this, again, what Rava's telling us is one of the things which we have to do in halacha on occasion, and I tell you this uh, uh, often in, in Shul, that if, you, if somebody asks a Shailah, uh, is something mutter or asr? So those are relatively easy questions to answer. Because if you know the material, if you study the material, you know the, those sifim, or you know that section of halacha, so you should know the answer, whether the, whether it is yes or whether it is no. Where shilas become difficult is when there are two values or two pursuits which are in conflict with one another. Or let's say two mitzvahs which are in conflict or in tension with one another. And what we refer to as the rock, paper, scissors of halacha. So somehow we have to decide which of these two mitzvahs or which of these two values are stronger and therefore you're going to follow one at the expense of another. So Rava does that exact thing over here. He says, pshitali. He says, it's obvious to me, ner beso v'ner chanukah. So this is the scenario which we are discussing. A person has limited funds. Once again, talking about a poor person. And he can afford, he can only afford one candle And he has to choose either he's going to go ahead and use that one candle for his Shabbos lights or he's going to use that one candle for his Hanukkah lights. Now, both are mitzvahs. Both are obligations, which one has to do. But if a person can only afford one candle, if a person can only afford one candle, so he has to choose which of those two mitzvahs is he going to do. Is he going to do the Shabbos candle or is he going to do the Hanukkah candle? So what does Rava say? Rava says, for me, it's pashat. It's obvious. Beiso adif. Shabbos candle is going to prevail over your Hanukkah lights. Why is it that in the rock, paper, scissors of halacha? So what makes the mitzvah of Shabbos candles a more valuable or a more weighty mitzvah than Hanukkah candles? So the Gemara says, Rava says, mishum shalom beiso, because... Uh, lighting Shabbos candles that's designed to illuminate the room, that's going to generate or hopefully assure that Shalom bias remains. And therefore, that is going to be more important, as valuable as the mitzvah of Hanukkah candles uh, happens to be. And as important as it is, the principle of Pursume Nisa, of publicizing the miracle of Hanukkah, nonetheless, Shalom bias is more important. And therefore, when given the tension between those two, shalom bias is going to win out. And therefore, we would use that one candle or that one amount of oil for your Shabbos candles. What makes Shabbos candles? How does that relate to shalom bias? So Rashi says he gives explanations in two places. Uh, right over here on this Gemara, he says, on the Kaman." We're going to say later on, mishalom nafshi." I think it's a pasuk in uh, in Eicha. We say, Zuhad lakas their Shabbos. So this pasuk goes ahead and that it means that they rejected, I think, the uh, the, uh, the, the peace of my soul, the uh, the um, yeah, peace of my soul, P-E-A-C, of my soul. Zuhad as their Shabbos. So this is, refers to Shabbos candles. What does uh, lighting Shabbos candles have to do with Shalom Bayez? So here, Rash explains, she beso mit starin, because people are in distress when the lights go out. If you've ever experienced a blackout at night when the power goes out, so until you could go ahead and find your flashlight, back before we had cell phones with us at all times, so we have lights with us now wherever we go. But back in the day when all of the power goes out, so it's an incredibly unsettling feeling to be sitting around in the dark. And when a person's sitting around in the dark and they don't know, there are Legos on the floor. There aren't Legos on the floor. There is this or there is that. I can't find uh, where I'm going. Where's the chair? Where's the table? If I can't see any of that, so everybody's tensions get uh, uh, go through the roof. And when everybody's tension is through the roof, because nobody can see where they're going and stepping on each other and all of that, so that will quickly lead to a complete breakdown of all shalom bias. So making sure that there's light in the house is something which is going to assure, it's going to maintain the shalom bias. That way, we could all have our space, and so we can watch where we're going, and nobody's going to get hurt, and all of that. And that's something which Rava says is a much higher value, a much more important value in pursuit than the pursuement of the publicizing of the miracle of Hanukkah candles. Rashi says also that uh, this is on the original Gemara that we began with. It says, that in those places where you don't have a candle lit, you don't have a candle or a lamp or a light bulb or something, so there's going to be no peace, there's going to be no shalom bias, why? Because the person's going to walk around and inevitably they'll trip on something. Somebody didn't clean up, pick something up off of the floor, and you'll end up tripping on that and you'll yell and scream at that person as you walk around in the dark again it's very tension filled to be walking around feeling for where's the door handle where's the window where's everything in the in the room so that's something which is not conducive to shalom bias and therefore uh, we light shabbos candles for the purpose of shalom bias okay so we now have at this point we have three explanations we have one explanation that comes from tosos which was onik shabbos Explanation number two, which came from Rashi, was Shabbos, meaning it's, it allows you to enjoy the meal better. Covered Shabbos, Rashi says, is it allows you to go ahead and um, it allows you to Rashi, it's a, yeah, Rashi. Rashi says it's going to be covered Shabbos. It gives more honor to the meal to go ahead and have lights on in the meal where you are eating, and then uh, Rav and the Gemara together with Rashi's explanation connects the idea of lighting Shabbos candles with Shalom Bayis. As we said, the lavush connects Onik Shabbos and Shalom Bayis together. But let's just assume for right now. For these purposes, we're going to assume that there are two reasons. One, two primary reasons, one which is covet Shabbos and one which is owning Shabbos. Now, why is it important to know whether or not the reason we light Shabbos candles is to honor Shabbos or whether it is to enjoy Shabbos? So here in a set of Bura, which I have called Mishabur Hamavur, which has a lot of notes and background of Bura, So he writes in the notes over here, oneg omidin So he's going to present to us two differences, two practical differences, whether or not uh, scenarios where it will make a difference whether lighting Shabbos candles is an expression of honor of Shabbos that's kavod, or whether lighting Shabbos candles is an expression of oneg Shabbos, the pursuit of being able to enjoy the experience of Shabbos. So he says, ki oneg. Because if we were to say that the reason why we light Shabbos candles is to experience the pleasure of Shabbos, oneg Shabbos. So let's say a person enjoys the dark, just like there's some people who enjoy the cold rather than the heat. There's some people who like sitting in the dark rather than in the light. So they would prefer to have a dark room rather than a light room. You could look around who's on the screen over there, who has more light in their background or less light in their background. But different people have different, uh, different ways of perce- perceiving things. The person may have a tension headache, may have a migraine, and they can't stand any light. So for them, they'll enjoy Shabbos much more if the lights are off than if the lights are on. So he says, So if the whole effort is to have owning Shabbos, that means it's somewhat subjective. And if my own egg Shabbos is going to be to sit in the dark, so I would have the right to go ahead and do so. Ulam, however, im if lighting Shabbos candles is an expression of Kavad Shabbos, because the, the presence of lights on the table where you eat is what gives honor to the meal. So then, so it doesn't matter whether you like the lights there or not. It's not up to you. It's because the presence of candles give honor and uh, uh, give honor to that uh, to that occasion. And therefore, if you say it's because of covet Shabbos, it's not going to be subjective at all. It's going to be objectively the candles give that honor to Shabbos, and therefore it must be done regardless of your preference. Yeah, tzachy. Doesn't Rashi take care of that problem though of of preference because? Nobody can walk in the dark. Rashi right. just said that you're going to trip over things. So, I mean, whether your presence or not, you still want the light, right? So, so we're only going through the napkin between the uh, original Rashi and Tosos about right? whether covet or Oneg, how Shalom Bias is going to play in. So, for the for this uh, paragraph which we're reading now, uh, uh, Shalom Bias isn't going to play into that. Uh, Shalom Bias will come back in in uh, in a few more paragraphs uh, from here. But you're correct. If you try and add Shalom bias in there, so then that also uh, will throw things off. Indeed. Then he says, second nafkemina, second difference is going to be, <laughs> Let's say, and this is going to have great significance for us in the 20, 20th century, 20, 21st century. Let's say you have candles which were already lit. So, you're not lighting them before Shabbos. You don't need to light them before Shabbos because you had candles which were burning in the room, anyways. So, now, Im Tama Chiyomidin covered Shabbos. <laughs> so, if the whole thing is that lighting candles for, specifically for Shabbos is a means of giving honor to Shabbos, so even if the candles are already lit, from an hour ago, because there was a power outage and there's a big storm and it was dark out anyways, so you had lit candles. So those candles which you lit for illumination, that's not going to be the same thing as Kavad Shabbos. Kavad Shabbos means you're lighting it specifically for the reason to give honor to Shabbos. And therefore, even if they're already burning, you got to extinguish them and then relight them in order to be able to do the mitzvah of Kavad Shabbos. Ulam, on the other hand, he says, if the whole purpose of the candles is because you'll enjoy the meal more if you could see the food that you are eating, so then the primary concern, the only real concern is there should be light in the house. If there's light in the house already, so why should you have to go ahead and extinguish the light and then rekindle it? Why do you have to relight it? The whole thing is just to have light. If I have light, I'm in the room anyways, because the candles were burning uh, already for an hour. So I would not have to go out of my way to light it specifically for Oneg Shabbos, because Oneg Shabbos is really focused, according to this Nath this difference, covered Shabbos is the act of lighting the candle to honor Shabbos. Oneg Shabbos is, is the result of having a candle lit. And he says the nafkah will be whether or not you have to specifically light it for Shabbos, or just make sure that you have uh, that there is light in the in the room. This will have this idea if we put it in more practical twenty and twenty first century uh, perspective. This is going to be a major thing as far as since all of us have electricity. And we're not relying on the candles which we light for Shabbos. Regardless of how many, land, uh, how many candles we light, it doesn't compare to the amount of light which is going to be generated by the bulbs which are in the dining room anyways. So whether or not you, uh, you're fulfilling the mitzvah of, let's say, owning Shabbos by lighting Shabbos candles when I have a whole chandelier, which provides enormous illumination anyways, so that's something which the post can struggle with as to how exactly we're going to balance the presence of electricity and plenty of light in our room anyways, uh, and the candles essentially add nothing to the illumination which is in the room. So for covered Shabbos, you could say that it still gives honor to Shabbos if you light Shabbos candles specifically for that reason, but if you're going to go with the reason of owning Shabbos, so then it would be highly questionable whether there's a value to lighting Shabbos candles when we have plenty of light bulbs, which are providing more than enough illumination. Okay. So that's something that you're going to, uh, to keep in the, uh, the back of your mind. Okay. Now let's go back to uh, the reason. So we have one reason, uh, we have two reasons uh, of Oneg Shabbos and Kavach Shabbos. Now, for, for, as we move forward, we're gonna sort of group these two things together. So Oneg Shabbos and Kavach Shabbos both relate to the meal Either Onik Shabbos, I'll see what I'm eating and I'll enjoy the food better. Or Kavad Shabbos is it gives honor and respect to the meal to have candles which are burning on the table. So both of those are meal related. The other reason, which is Rava's reason of Shalom bias, that has nothing to do with the meal. That would, be, that would hold equally true in the dining room, the basement, and all the bedrooms. Wherever you're going to go in the house, you need to have light on so that you can walk comfortably without being afraid that you're going to trip on somebody or on something. So here we have, uh, if we say that the reason is somehow covered or owning Shabbos related, we may conclude that the correct place to light the candles and make the bracha is specifically in the dining room. If we say that the primary thrust of the mitzvah is shalom bayis, so maybe you could go ahead and you could light the candles and say the bracha in your bedroom because that is sure a bias because you're able to see where you're going or maybe better in the kid's room so that when you go to put them to, uh, to bed, you won't trip on anything that they left on the floor. You won't uh, you know cut yourself on the, uh, on the toys which are, which are there. And therefore you can make the bracha on any light which is really lit anywhere in the house. So which is the primary location as far as lighting is concerned? dining room or it could really be anywhere in the house. So here we also have a fascinating uh, sort of inconsistency. So the Ramah says in this one place it says shochan." he says the primary hadlaka the primary lighting which you're going to do to fulfill the mitzvah is the candles or the light which you which you kindle on the table where you eat So the Ramah is saying saying, dining room is most important as opposed to the rest of the candles in the house they may provide value in terms of shalom bias but they are not considered to be the ikker. the ichor is going to be the candles which we light in the dining room and that is where we are going to light and that's where the bracha is going to uh, uh, that's where we're going to say the bracha and that's what the Mishnah Burr explains he says Hainu, by saying that the dining room is a primary location for candle lighting, as opposed to the basement, the living room, or one of the bedrooms, what essentially the Rama is emphasizing is: you're only going to say one bracha on candle lighting, even if you light in the, the if you have a huge mansion and you're lighting in 16 different rooms, so you will be able to see where you're going. You're only going to say the bracha once. So, where do you go ahead and say the bracha? On which candle lighting do you say the bracha? So Mishabura says that the Rama is telling us that the primary lighting is the lighting which occurs on the table, on the table where you eat in the dining room, and therefore going to make the bracha on those candles, velo al neros, and not the other neros in the house. Why? The fish mitzvah mitzwalkhathilah hena nerosha ochlin the oran. Because, that's why it's, uh, it's underlined over here, the primary mitzvah, primary fulfillment of the mitzvah, is via those candles which are lit in the location where you are eating. And since those are the primary candles, that's a, the primary fulfillment of the mitzvah, so it's best to go ahead and recite the bracha on those candles. And that's the way the Meshavur explains the Ramah that the primary place where you're going to go ahead and you're going to uh, to say the bracha is going to be where you eat okay so if we say so if we finish uh, our analysis up until here so we go back to our original question i'm sleeping in one location i'm eating in a second location neither of which are my home so where am i going to go ahead and where am i going to light and say the bracha so, seemingly we would say, based on this Rambah, that the primary location of lighting is where you eat, and therefore the preferred place to light is going to be at the Simcha Hall, where we're going to eat, rather than in those homes where we are going to sleep. Yes? Okay, give out. If it was that simple, then we wouldn't have been doing this as a topic. <laughs> so, what's, where, does the, where does the confusion now arise? Confusion now arises, because uh, we only saw one Ramah in the Simen in this discussion. But here we go backwards a little bit. And now we have the Shulchan This is now the Mechab. And it's not even going to be like there's a disagreement between the Mechab and the Ramah about this. Uh, as we're going to see, they're talking about slightly different circumstances. And that is going to affect what the Halachal mice is going to be. So here he says, right off the bat. So Shulchan uses the term b- Bachurim. Now, you Usually, when we use that term, what comes to mind is a, an unmarried fellow. An unmarried fellow is a is a Bachar, But the mishabura, along with almost all of the other poskim, say that what we're talking about over here is not somebody who's unmarried. We're actually talking about a married fellow. Who the, the wording of the mishabura is. That's so I have it open in front of me. He says, nashim." We're talking about somebody who's married. El shaholchem lechutz but his wife is at home, and he is elsewhere. So he's not at home for Shabbos. So he's staying somewhere else for, uh, for Shabbos. He's a guest by somebody else for Shabbos. So with that uh, understanding of the word. So, So you have a co fellow. And he happens to be that he couldn't get the, uh, the last plane or the last bus home for Shabbos. So he's now stuck in some other location for Shabbos. So his wife, whatever she's going to do at home, she's going to take care of it at home. He's now staying in somebody, else, somebody else's house for Shabbos. So what's the halacha? Does he light candles? He doesn't light candles? So they have to go ahead, and this uh, person is going to have to, this uh, this fella is going to light candles, light Shabbos candles in the room where he stays, whatever room that it is where he is staying, he's going to light candles there, and he's going to make the bracha there. Now, why is this such a such a significant halacha? So Mishabur explains that he's going to light candles in his room. So here's the key. That this, the room with that this younger man, that this color fella is go, is in, where he's going to be lighting his Shabbos candles, it's specifically designated for sleeping. That's the bedroom. So that's the bedroom where his bed is going to be. And the mechaber is saying, Shochan is saying, he's going to light in the room which is, is his bedroom for Shabbos, the Ochlin Babayas even though he's eating, whether it's a different house or a different room, but he's lighting. The main thing is he's lighting where he sleeps, not where he eats. So now this goes out and this confuses us because we just got through saying, the Ramah told us that the primary location of lighting is and where you're going to make the bracha is where you eat, not where you sleep, not anywhere else in the house. And now on this halacha, Mishabru is explaining Shulchan Aruch, to say that when you're staying by somebody else's house, you're going to light where you sleep and not where you eat. Now, why are you lighting where you sleep and not where you in in the bedroom? So, in the next mishavur, he explains. <laughs> so here, all of a sudden, he now says that the the obligation to light Shabbos candles is mishum stems from is out of the motivation to promote or maintain shalom bias. So he's going off of the reason of covet Shabbos and Onig Shabbos. And now we're going back to the other reason, which is Shala to make sure that you don't stub your toe on a stone or a piece of wood or on some furniture which is there. And now we emphasize the important point that this Kolo so what's he going to be doing? He lights Shabbos candles. And then he runs to Shoal for Mincha Marv. He's eating somewhere else, and he doesn't get back to his bedroom until after the suda. So, says the Mishabura that if that's going to be your schedule for the evening, for the evening, you're lighting candles, you run out to Mincha Marv, Kabbalah Shabbos, then you go to the suda, and then you come home. Tzarach liyos aruchim, you have to make sure that the candles are long enough, or you put in enough oil, so that they still remain burning when you get home after the Suda. Because otherwise, they're ineffective. If the whole purpose is to make sure that you have light so that you, the, the room is illuminated, so you don't trip on anything, it doesn't help to light that before Shabbos begins when it's still light outside. And then by the time you get home, the candles already went out. Then it didn't serve any function whatsoever to, uh, to make you more comfortable as you're walking around the room. And he says, and if you don't do that, if you light small little candles, because you don't want candles to be uh, burning for a long period of time with nobody home. So you take little uh, birthday candles, you cut them in half, and they burn for about 30 seconds. So So he says, that would be a brach of because Because if the purpose of the candles is to promote Shalom bias and it didn't do that, so then you didn't accomplish anything. So you ended up, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah, the bracha that you said doesn't accomplish anything. And that's something which one has to be mindful of. One of the ways that one could potentially get around that is to light early enough that you can sit. Sometimes what people will do is they'll light it and then they'll sit in front of the candles, let's say, for five minutes. They'll do a little parsha, They'll read uh, you know, something. They'll, uh, they'll sit in front of the light to get some benefit from it before they leave. In that way, they already had benefit from it, and they don't have to worry about it after on. It avoids being a bracha levatala. But the main thing over, we have over here is, we now have this inconsistency. This is where the confusion arises, because the Ramah told us that the primary location of lighting, and we're going to say the bracha is where you eat, and therefore, given our scenario, the lighting should take place at the simcha hall. And yet we said that, and now here the mechaber and the Mishaburah are explaining that if somebody's away for Shabbos, so they're going to light in the room where they sleep and not where they eat, which would mean that all of us who are staying in somebody else's house, so we should go ahead and we should light in the house where we're sleeping, not not, not even, not even in necessarily in the house where we're sleeping, specifically in the room which we were assigned to sleep in, that's where we would go ahead and we would light the Shabbos candles so that we could see where we're going in that room. So now... This is the question, where are we supposed to light? Are we lighting in the Simcha Hall like the Ramah? We're lighting where we're staying, which is like the Mechaber. This is the essence of the confusion. So it only took us about 35 minutes to get to our question. But give out. But now we, got it, uh, now we got it clear. OK, so there is a work called the Piskei Chuvos. Piskei Chuvos is a work. The author is still alive. And what he does is he goes through the order of the Mishnaburah. And he adds explanation, he adds, he sort of updates with more recent chuvas and sfarm, which are written about the, the various uh, uh, halachas. And these, uh, you know, he has a, a, a very uh, broad a uh, broad breadth of knowledge of, uh, of, of sources and whatnot. So it's a very valuable uh, source. So on this, because there's so much confusion about this. So he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make it easier for you, my reader. And I'm going to provide you with some general principles to uh, to, uh, to guide you through determining, answering these types of Shilas and, uh, you know, with plenty of sources related to that. So we're going to read two of his principles. So the first thing he says is as follows. He says, this is Klau Aleph. He says, mm-hmm. So he also says that when it comes to lighting candles on Shabbos, there are two obligations, two different uh, things that you're trying to accomplish. The Hainu, Zula Sachovim will tell us, or Tamish Shabbos. I don't like the, always the way he words things, but he says that the first obligation is going to be that you have to assure that there is light, that every room which you're going to use, Shabbos, all of the rooms that you're going to use for Shabbos, you want to make sure the previous phrase is Shayya or. That those rooms should be sufficiently illuminated. Illuminated may be just a nightlight, just so you can see where you're going again, so you don't trip on anything. It doesn't have to be a huge uh, spotlight which you go ahead and you have burned, uh, you know, turned on in your in your room or in your house. But you have to have light so you can see where you're going and you're not going to trip on anything. Uki Chazal, and this is the parameters. This is the guideline which Chazal set up, which is Mishum Shalom Bayit. That's what Rashi said. It's an effort of. Promoting or maintaining Shalom bias, so that nobody should trip on a piece of wood or a stone. That is, he calls Chauvet So there's an obligation in the household that the household should have proper illumination so that nobody should uh, get hurt and everybody should be able to walk around without, uh, without concern. Then he says, Yeshna chove Ishit. Then there is a personal obligation which he calls choves if you want to get into lambdisha terminology. So this is a personal obligation, not a household obligation, but a personal obligation. ha al ish which every Jew, man and woman, from the time that they reach bar or bas mitzvah, that they have an obligation, which is l'had Shabbos, and that is to kindle a light for the purpose of Kavad Shabbos, over here, Covered and Onik Shabbos will be synonymous terms. So there's also a personal obligation, which everybody has, to make sure that there is light on uh, uh, for covered Shabbos. So it says there's two primary obligations. One is the household obligation that it should be properly illuminated so nobody gets hurt. And then the second one is, is that everybody has an obligation to give honor to Shabbos. In most instances one person lights the candles on behalf of everybody else in the household. but ultimately it is a personal obligation which everybody has if nobody else is lighting. so then Bamakum Shaish when nobody else is there, you go ahead and you light it, uh, you light it yourself. So that is a personal obligation. okay. Now keep that in mind. Now we skip a couple of principles. Cloud Now we go to the fourth one. It says let's say you're eating in one location meaning makom shenato, the place where you are sleeping, is a different place. So you're sleeping in one location, in one house, and you're eating in another house. So he says there's no personal obligation to light candles in both places was actually surprised that nobody suggested that uh, why not light Shabbos candles where you're staying and then light also where you're eating. That way, whichever one is primary, you'll lit in both places. It's not like we can't afford the, the extra candles now. So just go ahead and light in both places. So he says, there's no personal obligation to light in both places. <speaking> in <Hebrew> if you light candles in either one of those two locations, so, you will fulfill your obligation. So, you could go there. There may be one which is primary and one which is secondary, but it's not as if one is the correct location to light and one is incorrect. Just one may be better than the other. But if you lit in either one of those two places, so you can't really go wrong. So, you fulfill the mitzvah. And in the second place, whichever one you don't light the Shabbat candles in, all you need to do is make sure that there is some light. There's some illumination there. And you're not going to be sitting in darkness. That will take care of the obligation of the household. So in terms of the personal obligation, which every person bears on their shoulders. So that, choose one of those two places and it's fine. You live in one of those two places, you fulfilled your personal obligation. And in the other place, all you need to do is make sure that there is light somewhere there. It could can be candlelight. It could can be bulb light. It could be whatever whatever you want. And that already will take care of that second obligation, the household obligation, because there's now illumination in the house so that nobody will, uh, will trip. Okay. Now, where are we going to? So if a person wants to know, so which is the preferred place to light? If I could really, if I lit, light in either of those two places, I can't really go wrong. But which is the preferred place? So the gate, Shulah writes. He says, "Given a choice between the two, he says it's better to go ahead and light in the location where you're going to be eating. That will be at the Simcha Hall, not at the house where we are staying." Ubi prat, and this is especially true in the twentieth, twentieth, twenty-first century. Why? Sheish or because wherever you go, there's going to be electricity. So you're going to have plenty of lights and plenty of light fixtures, which are providing more than enough illumination. So being that we don't really have to worry about the shalom bias element of it because there's going to be plenty of light anyways. The only real concern is uh, to give honor, to get covered in Oneg Shabbos by having light where I eat. And therefore given the choice, that will be the preferred place to go ahead and light your candles. good okay so last thing we want to do now we get to the easier stuff because it's in english so there's a set of english firm called guidelines written by two Tamir chachamim in eretz yisrael they have many many volumes at the at this point they have it on the yom tovim they have it on tefillah they have life cycle events they have i think an avellus they have anida an so in one volume they have candle lighting and afrosha schala they put those two things together so this is from that uh, that volume on uh, on candle lighting so he says, he's got two different chapters. One is, chapter nine is eating out. He says, this is as we're going to see, where should a family kindle lights when eating out on Friday night? Not now, nowadays for the past nine months or 10 months, it's an uncommon occurrence. But if you can remember a year ago or so in your long-term memory, so it wasn't so unusual that people would go out and eat somewhere else. So when you are, as we're going to see, when you're home for Shabbos and you're just eating the meal by somebody else, so where do you light? So he says, if they're also sleeping out, see next chapter. Okay, we'll see that in a moment. But here, if they're sleeping at home, this is the more common scenario. So you have a family which is staying at home and they're eating a meal by somebody else. So uh, somebody gets invited over to the the seagull's house. We'll we'll have a whole meal as soon as Corona's over. So we're all invited to the Siegels' house. You'll have of Shabbos uh, scotch and scotch and cigars, and then on Shabbos we'll finish the rest of the scotch and then some. So we're all going to be we're all going to go over there. Don't tell uh, uh, Marilyn, but we'll we'll be over when she's out of town sometime in Atlanta. So we'll uh, we'll we'll come over. So sleeping at home, they should preferably kindle lights at home. So since I'm staying at home, I'm sleeping in my house. So my house is the preferred place to light rather than lighting in somebody else's house, even though I'm going to eat over there. Because they're going to light at their table. So in terms of having light where I'm going to eat the meal, that's taken care of by my host. So I don't need to take care of that. My only obligation is to make sure that there's illumination in my own house. So therefore, you should light at home. Although the lights will not provide cover or oneg Shabbos since the meal is eaten elsewhere. So even though in my house, when I leave on the lights or I like the Shabbos candles, so it doesn't provide the cover or oneg because that's not the location of the meal. They should be kindled to fill the mitzvah of shalom bias. They're lit for shalom bias purposes. And as we saw um, that in these Mishaburahs over here, even if you're lighting specifically for a shalom bias so that you shouldn't trip, nonetheless, you going to go ahead and you're going to say the bracha. So in the case where you, you're eating it, where you're sleeping at home, you're eating somewhere else. So the only reason why you're lighting in your house is the fulfillment of shalom bayis. But lighting candles, even for this specific person or the, the sole purpose of shalom bayis is sufficient that you can still recite the bracha. That's the easier of the two scenarios. Now, the next chapter is sleeping out. So now he wants to know, where should a family kindle lights when sleeping out on a fr- on Friday night? So now, it depends on the, the situation. So he says, if they're making their own meals at their place of accommodation. So let's say, this is what happened when we were in Lakewood for the Hasana. So we rented out an entire house. So there was a possibility uh, early on in the planning stages that we were going to stay in this rented house in Lakewood for Shabbos also and we would have Shabbos, Shabbos at that rented house. So if we're renting a house and we're having the meals in that house, so then obviously they should light in the dining room just as they do at home. That's already a no-brainer. And if you actually look in the footnotes to this or the endnotes really to this, so the note for uh, paragraph 152 is it. That's all it says. It's obvious, that that's what you go ahead and do. So that's really not the. That's not even our scenario. Our scenario is what if they are, invited out for the evening meal. So this is, uh, this is essentially our Shiloh. You're going to be sleeping in one location, not your home. You're going to be eating in a second location, also not your home. So where should you light? So he says, if they're sleeping in a separate apartment, they should preferably light there since this is considered to be their home for Shabbos. So this is talking about, and it, it, I understand this because I looked at the, the notes to make sure that I understood this, their, their terminology. It's two authors who, who wrote it. But he says that if they're sleeping in a separate apartment means I'm renting the house in Lakewood and then we're going to be eating a meal in another house. So if I'm actually renting a house so that that rented house is mine for Shabbos, so then we're going to like there. Because since we're there for Shabbos, that is our place and nobody else is there. So this is, since this is considered to be their home for Shabbos. So as a result of the rental of the house, that's my house for Even if I borrow the house, but it's my house for Shabbos. Even if I eat elsewhere, my home is going to be the primary place to light and the meal will be taken care of by whoever the host is over there. Care must be taken to drive benefit from the lights. Okay, we saw that uh that, that you wanna make sure that you don't light the candles run out and then have them burn out before you get home. Now, next thing, if they're sleeping with the family where, I'm uh, oh, sorry, but now if, uh, if they're sleeping with the family, um, uh, well, sorry, not that that's it. Now, scenario number two, if they're sleeping with the family where they are eating. So this is talking about where I'm not renting a house by somebody else. I'm actually staying by the gold farms. So we're sleeping by the gold farms and the gold farms are hosting us for the meals also. So in the event that that's the scenario which is going on. So then I don't light in the room where I'm staying but rather the custom is to light in the dining room. In that case, you would go ahead and you would light in the uh, in the dining room, because since it's all part of one location, it's all in one house, so given all in one house, so then the preferred place, like the original Arma, is to light in the location where you're going to uh, where you're going to eat. So it's only when there are two different locations that we have to choose between the two of them, so then you have this, uh, this, uh, this conflict. But in the event that it is all in the same location, you're sleeping by somebody else's house and you're eating there. So even though technically you might not even have to light candles altogether because you're part of your host's household, and just like the hostess is going to light for all the members of her family, technically she actually lights for you as well and you don't have to light at all. But common custom is to go ahead and light anyways. But when lighting anyways, in that scenario, you would go ahead and you would, um, you would uh, light at the dining room. Because that will allow you, that illuminates the house and also fulfills the element of covenant on Shabbos for the the meal. But going back to where you're at a Simcha Hall, so in the event that you are at a Simcha Hall, so really what goes on over here, what adds an additional wrinkle to that is, if you remember, um, right, when we said over here that when you're staying at home and you're eating somewhere else, so you don't have to worry about covered Shabbos and owning Shabbos because your host is going to take care of that. When you're eating at a simple hall and it's nobody's house. So now if uh, if everybody lights where they're sleeping, then there's no candles that are lit in the place where you're eating. And that would be uh, that then you're going to be, then there's going to be no covet Shabbos in no onig Shabbos altogether, because in the place where you're eating, uh, if, if nobody were to light over there. So for that reason, there are post that the writes, for example, that when you're going to be eating in some sort of Hall, that you should actually, he says that we, then we revert back to the original Ramah, who says that the primary location for lighting is going to be in the place where you eat. And then before you leave the house, you make sure that you turn on some of those lights for the purpose of shalom b'ayah, so that there should be illumination in the house where you're sleeping, and uh, uh, after the suda that nobody should uh, return in and uh, and trip and fall or or hurt themselves. Yeah, it's it. All right. Sorry. Okay. In your situation, and your Simcha, you were eating a Simcha at somebody's house. So somebody was lighting upstairs, no? Somebody was lighting, eating, and sleeping upstairs. Right. But that, was, that wasn't the meal that we were a part of. They don't, they don't show up downstairs. They don't go downstairs. They use the kitchen downstairs. It's as if we it happens to be in somebody else's house, but it's as if it wasn't in anybody's house, as if nobody uh, lived there. That's how it was sort of separate there. It's a separate entrance. It's a separate uh, you know, kitchen. It's a separate everything. That would be similar to what you're describing Is let's say, a bunch of people in a condo.
1: So if you a condo, hotel
0: or hotel. Like a hotel, well, like everybody or will light in their, in their dining room in the condo. So if my neighbor next door in the condo is lighting Shabbos candles, that covers me because in the building, somebody lit it the, the covet Shabbos or owning Shabbos. So his apartment has nothing to do with me. But that's that's truly a separate. He's he owns that con- condo separately. This is somebody who's donating the use of their basement. Right. They, but they, I don't know they, if that's different. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I, I think because that, that's, not, that's not where they eat at all. That's not part. They don't use that as part of their house. Right. So that's why it would, it would seem that the, that the lighting is going to take place to the preferred place. The, 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 um, the advantage over here is everybody was staying in a house where other people were also there. So in this way, it does work, zachi Then the place where everybody was staying, there was a host and a hostess who were lighting their own Shabbos candles anyways, and there was going to be light down in the house where we were sleeping for the purpose of shalom Bayez. And as far as the meal is concerned, so then having everybody light at the Simchol, so that uh, provided the uh, illumination, which fulfills the covered Shabbos and the owning Shabbos, and that way uh, that we were able to... Uh, uh, in that regard, cover all of our bases and all of the reasons why Shabbos candles would uh, would be lit. That's what I got for y'all, as far as uh, as far as tonight is concerned. Um, so next week, unless we get to uh, uh, another uh, interesting Shiloh comes uh, comes our way, so I think. I think we may go ahead and do with that that Charlie, which we discussed on Tuesday, about whether there's any responsibility for walking over your neighbor's snow, and now he's got footprints in his snow, and he enjoys uh, looking at a footprint-free uh, one. And now uh, you've ruled that for him. Is there any sort of uh, liability responsibility for uh, for any of those uh, any of those things? All right. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you. you. Lilotov, tov. Shabbat shalom.